Good morning and welcome to our, Friday, or our Thursday chapel. During the season of Advent, we often speak of the different ways that Christ comes. One is uh, certainly his upcoming birth we'll celebrate in Bethlehem, how he came uh, in that first century for our salvation. Uh, we also, at the end of the church year and beginning of the church year, we often speak of our Lord's final coming, his second coming. But he likewise promises to come to us through his word and sacraments. And today, we'd like to focus on how Christ comes to us uh, in the Lord's Supper, in the precious meal of the Lord's Supper. The, um, in the Lutheran tradition, the use of hymns was not just so much to, um, uh, to kind of put something nice into the service, it had that element too, but also to be instructional. And the hymn we're going to sing today is, is a very wonderful example of that regarding the Lord's Supper, hymn 320, and you will see it'll be interspersed with readings and uh, little short devotions. Uh, how wonderful it is to think that our Lord, the night before he went uh, to suffer and die for us on the cross, uh, had you and me on his heart, had our consciences on his heart, had our, our fear of the future on his heart, uh, that he, uh, he established this sacred feast, this sacred meal, in order to give us reassurance that our sins are forgiven, that we are God's children, and that we have heaven waiting for us. So we join in singing the first three verses of our hymn.
You may be seated for our first reading. We hear now the words of institution when our Lord established this meal, taken from Matthew chapter 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Lord's Supper is one of those teachings in the Bible that often confuses us. It's, it challenges our logic and our reason. And for that reason, a lot of church bodies really question what Jesus is saying here and try to look at it through a different lens rather than just listening to what his words actually say. Having heard the words that Jesus gives us as he establishes this meal, I want you to imagine something. Imagine on Judgment Day a pastor who is standing before Christ. And imagine Jesus lecturing that pastor and saying to him, Why did you teach people that in the Lord's Supper they receive my body and blood? Why did you teach people that, that through this they receive the forgiveness of sins? That's ridiculous. Why would you have taught people that? Could you ever imagine Jesus on that day saying that? His words are so clear. Four times in Scripture, God has set these words of institution uh, for us to have our faith grasp and embrace. And yet, because they challenge our reason and our logic, that's why so often people want to discard them. But what a treasure Jesus gives us in these words. When he through the pastor, blesses the bread and wine in front of us, ordinary bread and wine, through the power of that word, the same powerful word that could stop storms, raise Lazarus back to life from the dead, and, and Jairus' daughter, the same powerful word that God can use to create the world and even sustain all life as we know it even today, that same powerful word is what he uses in this meal. And he commands us, do this, do what I just did. Bless the bread and wine with my word. And it's through the power of that word that he does this amazing miracle. He places his very own body and blood into the bread and wine for us to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of our sins. What a beautiful gift we have been given. We continue with verses 4 and 5 of our hymn.
Our next reading is from 1 Corinthians chapters 10 and 11. And St. Paul writes, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. And then he writes, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Imagine if there was a favorite restaurant that you have, you probably have one, and imagine if you saw a billboard for that out on a highway, and one of your friends was standing beneath the billboard looking at it. And you asked him, so why are you looking at the billboard? He says, oh, and there's a, maybe a picture of a steak. And he says, oh, it's so wonderful, their steaks are so good. And then you get in the car again and you drive to that actual restaurant. You go in, sit down at the table and order the very steak he's looking at and you begin to eat it. That's the difference between having the real thing and a symbol of it. There are many people today that because this doctrine confuses us so much, want to take the Lord's Supper and turn it into something that is simply symbolic. But our Lord Jesus' words and Paul's words here too are very clear. When we bless the bread and the wine with that powerful word of Christ, his very body and blood are now present. In fact, it's important that we believe that and understand that to receive it properly. If you look at Paul's words, if you don't come recognizing that, he says, you eat and drink this to your judgment. So why did Christ give us this special meal? Let me give you a little illustration. Imagine that there are three brothers that go to camp in another state from where their home is. And while they're away, the mother knows that one of her sons is very homesick as he left and kind of tender-hearted about the whole thing. And so she sends letters to her sons, to all three of them, that are delivered and, and they're read. They're, they pass the letters around about how she's thinking about them and loving them and praying for them and things like that. But then she knows that this one son is especially tender-hearted and homesick, and so she decides, I'm going to bake his favorite cookies and put them in a special box and there's someone from our hometown who's going to be traveling through there by the camp. I'm going to send those and have him deliver them and give this little box of cookies to my, to my son, this one who's so homesick, just to reassure him of my love and care. Now, the love and the care that that child receives in that little box is no different than the love and care that came through the letters to all of them. But because it's personalized, because it's something that is just for him and given directly to him, it's kind of received in a little bit different way. God, through his holy word, has written many letters to you as a member of his church about his great love for you and the forgiveness he's won for you through the work of his son, paying for all of your sins 
so you can be sure that you are dressed in the holy robe of righteousness that will get you through the doors of heaven someday. But he also knows that we're often very timid and insecure because we know our sins. We know what our lives are like. We know the things that we've done. We know the things that trouble our consciences. And Christ knows that too. And so he has chosen to give you this very special sacred meal to put right on your tongue the very things that were used back in that first century to purchase your entrance into heaven so that you could be absolutely positive, that you know for sure that your sins have been wiped clean before God. You are God's child. You are a citizen of heaven. That's the purpose of this wonderful meal. Many years ago, a friend of mine who's a pastor went to visit a shut-in and an elderly woman and after he got done giving her communion in a tiny little plastic cup, she said, can I possibly, he was going to throw it away, she said, can I possibly keep that? And he said, I guess so. And he gave it to her and she said, I like to keep them. And she pulled back the curtain on her window and there were about 20 little cups lined up on her windowsill. And she said, I like to look at them. They remind me of the sacrament and they remind me of my Savior's great love for me. May you be blessed with a heart of faith to treasure and appreciate this sacred little meal that your Savior set up and established for you, how he comes to you even now as you prepare for his next return on his great final advent. Amen. We join in singing the last three verses of our hymn.
And now may the triune God of your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen.